So welcome to church. It's my great delight to bring the word this morning. And this morning, I want to carry on with what we started last week. Last week, we started looking at this letter from Peter, his first letter. And, you know, Peter was recognized as probably the lead apostle in all the lists written in the Gospels about where it lists the names of the apostles. His name is first. And there are and most stories about the disciples are told about Peter. But this letter he wrote 30 years later. So he's probably in about his 60s now. He's not, he's not the same Peter he was. If you walk with Jesus, his life has been changed. Still has the same personality. Okay, your personality doesn't change. But I'm sure he's got a lot more godly character, got a lot more wisdom. And I want to say two things about Peter. Remember, Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times. And in restoring him, remember, Jesus did a fish fry on the beach. Okay, just confirming that brying is biblical. Okay, he did a fish fry on the beach. And three times he said to Peter, Peter, will you feed my sheep? Peter, will you feed my lambs? Peter, will you feed my sheep? That, uh, the, three times, that was restoring him to the ministry that he thought he was disqualified from because he denied Jesus. He had been chosen and selected to be one of Jesus' disciples. He thought he disqualified himself. And three times, Jesus, for every time he disowned Jesus, Jesus said, will you feed my lambs? Restoring him to his ministry. And I want to say, God is amazing at restoring things that, are, that we think are lost. Amen. And so I want you to remember that the Lord specifically called Peter and told him, feed my sheep. So this letter, folks, Peter is anointed and called by Jesus to feed the sheep. We the sheep. Amen. I'm reading this and I'm praying. My prayer is that this word, these letters, these words written by Peter would feed you because that is Jesus' intent for you. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to cover the ground we covered last week, but I do want to just highlight to you as well that Peter was the one who got up after the day of Pentecost and preached that sermon and 3,000 people got saved. Okay, He's the same dude 30 years later. I'm like, what is he going to say? He's been walking with Jesus by the Spirit of God for 30 years. What's he going to say to us? So I must say, in preparing uh, this, I... I, I really enjoyed just getting into some of the background of, 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 of this book, this letter from Peter. So we're jumping in. To, uh, last week we looked at the first two verses of, uh, of Peter's letter. And we looked at how he couldn't even finish his introduction by, uh, before just encouraging the believers. But we're going to look at the next two verses in 1 Peter. And they're on your screen over there. And we're going we're gonna to just read them. Uh, we'll read it through and then we'll, we'll speak of it. So Peter writes in, in 1 Peter 1 verse 3. He says, Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown His extravagant mercy. For His fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. It is promised 
and preserved forever in the heavenly realms for you. Wow, what power. And I want to just start off there. He starts off with a declaration telling these believers. Remember last week I mentioned he was writing in verse 2. He mentions all these churches in these various cities. And all these cities are up in what is modern day Turkey. There are about five or six cities that he mentions. And there were believers in these cities. And they were facing severe persecution because Nero was the emperor of Rome. And literally Nero unleashed persecution against Christians at a scale that has not been seen. And remember, he literally, he personally burnt down Rome and blamed it on the Christians. And he spread, our, I basically want to say this, it, it was like a racist um, hatred towards Christians amongst Roman people. And so these guys, the Christians in these cities, were facing a major, I mean, you could compare it to racism. Last week I highlighted it was kind of probably like foreigners in Alexandra Township in the last while in Joburg uh, experienced living there. That's what it was like for these Christians, folks. People like you and me, because they're following Jesus, they're being persecuted. And so Peter's writing to encourage them. And the first thing he says is, celebrate with praises. It's an instruction, it's an injunction. Praise God is what he's saying. Amen. And I want to say this about praising. You know, praising God is not dependent on our circumstances because God doesn't change. We, our praise is directed to Him. I mean, if we only praise because, hey, it's going well, you know, i got good health, i got lots of money in my pocket, you know, my car's running fine, my car hasn't broken down this week, okay, so therefore I can praise God. No, no, no. Sometimes... I'm telling you, the greatest testimony is when you praise God, when your car's broken down, you've got to walk to church or run to church like us, you know? Something like that. I, I haven't asked him about his car, um, but anyway, you can ask him about his car. But praising God is not dependent on our circumstances. And folks, praise is an expression of our faith in God. And so praise is sometimes the best thing you can do when you've got to walk to church, okay? Because your car's broken down. And so this declaration, instruction to praise God... But he actually, I'm going to highlight in these two verses, there are five things that he's highlighting why we can praise God. And they are got nothing to do with circumstances. Amen. It's all got to do with God. And this is what I want to do in this message, is highlight these five amazing points that he makes why he's so full of praise. And I love it. He's been walking with Jesus for 30 years post after Jesus' resurrection. And he's still praising God. He's He's literally this, celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, when he says that, it's coming out of his being. He's writing a letter to these people, but he can't help. The praise is just coming out of him. I mean, you don't have to wait to church. You know, you can just, you can, you can write your praises to God. Amen. So what are the things that he is, is telling us to celebrate with praise and to praise God about? So on the next slide, I put them up for you. The first one is his extravagant mercy. And just hold it there. Because he says, celebrate with praise as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy then he goes on, for his fountain of mercy has given us new life. Folks, the source of our new life. And then he says, he says, um, we are reborn because of this fountain of mercy. Folks, 
the life that you and I have, the spiritual life in us, is because God showed us mercy. And, and the, this, the, I'm using the Passion Bible over here, describes it as a fountain of mercy. Now, mercy is something that I think sometimes we kind of skip over. But remember the mercy Jesus showed to Peter. Peter denied him three times. And the Lord at the fish fry said, Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Restoring him, showing him mercy, restoring him back to the ministry that God had called him to. He'd experienced the amazing mercy of God. And so the first thing he's praising God for is his mercy. Now, I was thinking, how can I bring this to you? And we're actually going to play a video clip, so you can key up the video clip for us there. I'm going to tell you, don't play it yet. You can just get it on, oh, you're on the screen. Yo, yo, this girl is hot this morning. Look at that, look at that. Cynthia, well done. It's all about discipleship. You must, you must thank Cynthia, okay? She showed you. Okay. So, this video, I'm, let me tell you about the video. So, um, it's, a, it's a scene taken from the movie, um, Les Miserables, okay? And everybody else thinks there's a better way to pronounce it, okay? So specifically, if you want to know how properly, do you want to speak to somebody who understands French pronunciation? Also, please speak to Casustella. They're both very good at their French, okay? <laughs> Les Miserables, it is a, a book that was written in about the 1850s. Uh, it's, it was done into a very popular music, a Broadway musical, it was uh, a number of movies actually been done. And this is, this is a scene from an English movie that I just found. Let me tell you what this is about. So this movie, was uh, the book was written in 1850. It's, it literally no recognizes one of the classic works of literature from the 1800s. And the, the, the French author set the story in the French Revolution. And the French Revolution was a in time of incredible turmoil in France. And it follows the, the story, the life of this guy called uh, Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean is his name. And this guy, the, 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 the story starts where his, his daughter, his family, are literally they're dying of hunger. And he steals some bread to feed his family. And he gets caught by the soldiers who were the police force. In he gets caught for stealing bread for his family, for his daughter. And he gets sent to jail for 19 years, guys. 19 years. And the story in the movie, I, I, was, I was really, I was traumatized by just the conditions in the jails, jail, etc. The, the stuff he went through for stealing bread. He comes out of jail. And he ends up in this monastery. So this is actually a scene. This is in the monastery. And he's ministered to by this priest. And this priest really has a big impact on his life. And, but Jean Valjean wants to leave. And, and, and he, he, he plans to leave this one night. And this scene is this night he's leaving. But before he leaves, he goes and he steals some silver cutlery, spoons and things, from the monastery. And the priest comes in while he's doing this. And there's an incident between the priest and Jean Valjean, and he goes. The next scene is in the garden of the monastery the next morning. And basically, the soldiers had caught Jean Valjean, and they bring him back to the priest, and they found the silverware in his bag, because they've been watching him. And they now confront. And it is, it's just the most amazing moment where the priest shows mercy to Jean Valjean. And the priest basically said to him, he says, 
because the, 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 the soldier is saying, he stole this. And the, and the priest says, but why didn't you also take the silver candlesticks? I told you you must take the sand silver candlesticks as well. And he turns to his sidekick lady and says, go get the silver candlesticks. And this lady, her eyes go like this, like, whoa. And, and he goes and they get and he puts it in his bag and he says, there we go, Jean Valjean. And, and you'll hear what he says. Folks, what mercy, but more than mercy, grace. See, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Jean Valjean had stolen that stuff and he should have gone back to jail. That would have been justice right there. But mercy, he showed mercy by saying, saying to the soldiers, no, I gave that to him. And, you, and John Valjean's looking at them and saying, what are you doing? You, you'll see what happened. He basically punched the priest when he, when he was caught stealing, when the priest caught him stealing this. And Jean Valjean cannot believe the mercy not getting what he does deserve. He should be going back to jail. And this is probably for the rest of his life now. But grace is getting what you don't deserve. He then gets these silver candlesticks chucked in the bag as well. That's grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. It's the most amazing picture of mercy and grace. And the story, that instant, that time, Jean Valjean experiencing mercy and grace at the hands of this priest turns his life around. In the story, he basically uses the proceeds. He sells the, 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 the silver, silverware and he uses that money to establish himself as a really prosperous businessman. He becomes a very prosperous businessman. And we're going to tell you the rest of the story. There's a lot of twists and turns in the whole story. But his life is turned around by somebody showing mercy and grace. So just three minutes, let's watch it. So we'll use wooden spoons. I don't want to hear anything more about it. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, and thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed. <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes. Of course I gave him the silverware. 
But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madame Gillot, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. Folks, that is a picture of the mercy of God. In these scriptures, Peter is talking about his extravagant mercy. For his fountain of mercy has given us new life. In that moment, Jean Valjean was given new life. And Peter is saying, Let's praise God for his mercy. You know, Jesus made these incredible words. He said, Mercy, I do not, I do not seek sacrifice, I seek mercy. And he was talking about all the sacrifices that was involved in the Old Testament system of worship. He was saying, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And I mean, just reflecting on what, what Stella said this morning about how Orthodox Jews live in such fear of breaking a command, breaking a rule of the thousands of regulations that they feel they need to live according to to please God. Mercy cuts through all of that. Mercy cuts through all of that. And so I think the important thing about mercy is, yes, it's something we can praise God with, but it's also something that we need to show to people around us. Amen? You know, I was speaking to, I was involved in, in a, dealing with some conflict between two people. It was just, it was just quite recently, not, not in, a, in a church environment, not yet at all. It was about in the last month. And two people, two adults who, who've really been struggling in their relationship and I was part of a team trying to just help and and I was so struck by the fact that each of these parties need to be well, I use the word gracious I know remember I said that was a moment of mercy and grace need to be gracious to one another we have been through a lot in the last two years 
And for some people, the pressure is still on. Uh, it's not like, you know, COVID is gone and, you know, now life is like it was in 2019. For some people, the consequences have been severe. And my injunction is, let's be merciful and gracious. Amen. And the amazing thing, the scripture speaks about that through this fountain of mercy has given us new life. You know, judgment, folks, there is a place absolutely for judgment, particularly if there's, you know, if there's a situation in parenting, absolutely want to show mercy. But if there's no inkling of repentance or a stubborn hard-hearted heart, there are times that we actually, we've got to say, this is the line, and I'm sorry, I cannot compromise on that. But there's new life that comes through mercy. And, and he, he describes what this new life is. He says, we are reborn. We are reborn. So that's the second thing in that list of, in list of points. He has given us new life. We are reborn. The first thing he's raving about is mercy. The second thing he's praising God for is he's given us new life. We are reborn. Now, Jesus actually said, remember when he was talking to Cornelius in, uh, in John chapter 2, he said, you must be born again. And Cornelius said, well, how can you be reborn? You know, yeah, I, I mean, you can't go back into your mother's womb. And Jesus said, you must be born of water and of the spirit. Remember the first time you were born? You know, you, you remember what happened when your mother's waters broke, okay? You were born of waters, okay? Mothers know what that is about, okay? Speaking about born in the flesh when the waters break, but you were born again by the Spirit of God. And that happens, this reborn. Let me say, how do we, what happened when you were born? What, what marked the reality of you being born? There was life coming forth from your mother's womb. Amen? When you came forth, there was life. And there was screaming and crying. And everybody knew there's a new baby in the room. Okay? Life came forth. The mark of birth is life. Amen? And he actually says this. He has given us new life. We are reborn. If, there's spirit, if you're spiritually reborn, surely there must be life. There must be spiritual life inside of you. Amen? That's the mark that you have been born again. People say, well, are you born? Well, is there spiritual life? Are the, the, do you have a heart and a desire after God and the things of God? Amen? If you're reborn, you are longing for the things of God. You want to please God. Amen? And, and living, living you know, in other places, it just doesn't satisfy you like, like it may have in the past. Amen? A sinful life. Yes, you can still sin, but it's just not enjoyable like it used to be anymore. Amen? And so one of the marks of being reborn is that there's spiritual life inside of you. You don't have to, you want to be at church. You don't have to get a call from Pastor Jenny, you know, hi, you know, whatever, you know, Susie, haven't seen you at church for a while. Are you okay? It's like, where's the spiritual life? When we go on holiday, folks, you can ask my family. I look for the closest church. I want to worship God. I love worshiping God. This thing about celebrating with praises, it comes from me. I want to praise God. I want to sit under the word, etc. I mean, you don't have to drag me to church. I love church. Amen. So, so the sign of being reborn is their spiritual life. Amen. And, 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 
And this is, so, this is one of the things that he's praising God about, is that we are reborn and there's life inside of us. It comes from this mercy. The next thing he mentions out of these five things is a living energetic hope. <laughs> I love the way the Passion says it. I mean, um, uh, the, the living I was looking at speaks about an, a, a vibrant expectation, which is a similar aspect. Folks, hope, this hope, it's mercy, we are, from His mercy we are born again. There's life of God inside of us. And because of that, we have this hope inside of us. Folks, and more than that, folks, we, you, why is hope important? Folks, because people around us are looking for hope. There's so much hopelessness in the world. People, you need to be on fire with hope. Because people around us are looking for hope and they'll see the life of God inside of you. How do they see this born again life? Will you have hope? And I want to actually go on to the next point. Point four is this one. The, um, the, he goes on through, he says this, this energetic hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What's the significant about that? Folks, all the demons in hell couldn't keep Jesus in the grave. Every force the enemy could muster to try to keep him in the grave, he couldn't do it. Amen? If, if Jesus rose from the dead, he, Peter's saying that that is actually the source of our hope. If Jesus rose from the dead, our Savior was killed as much as the enemy could, but he rose from the grave. Folks, that is the source of our hope. We often face dire situations. Can you imagine how... How absolutely defeated and deflated the disciples must have felt Friday night, Saturday, but Sunday morning's coming. Amen? Can you imagine how defeated, deflated their saviors be? They thought he was going to lead them, you know, to conquer the world, etc. But Jesus rose Sunday morning. The grave was empty. That gives us hope because what situation are you facing where it seems like the patient has died. And fill in the gap. The dot, dot, dot has died. My dream has died. My business has died. My relationship has died. The business deal has died. My, my course has, uh, you know, I failed that course. Therefore, I can't do this. So there's so many things in life we face that it's like, oh, it's dead. But... Jesus rose from the dead. He specializes in resurrecting hopeless situations. And so the source of our hope isn't in, man, I failed that course, but you know, I'm an intellectual brilliant person, so I'm going to really study hard next time. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. When I failed my final year structural analysis course, I absolutely studied like I've never studied before when I got the rewrite. But my faith was in God, that God would enable me to study and pass that exam. Amen. Why? Because he, He's the God of the resurrection. Amen. I've just failed. I've just crashed and burned and smashed out. Big time. Amen. But God can resurrect that situation and He did. I'm not going to tell that story again. And so we have an energetic hope because, because Jesus rose from the dead. There isn't a hopeless situation. There isn't a dead situation that He can't turn around. Amen. So uh, the source of our hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, praise God for this. Amen. This has got nothing to do with any of your circumstances in your life. Amen. This is all God's stuff. And then the fifth thing he says is, 
why we can praise God is because we have a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never dim diminish. A perfect inheritance. Now, folks, the, the important thing about an inheritance is this. And, and literally, all I did is I took that text and I just took out all the words between those things. The thing about an inheritance is this. Is that an inheritance is something that you get for free, but it's something that somebody else has worked for. Usually a parent will relieve an inheritance to their children. That's usually the context that it leaves. But you could get an inheritance from an uncle or anybody. But the important thing is you are getting something you did not work for. You didn't slay for it. It is because there is some relational connection, some connection to that person. And they are giving you sometimes huge amounts of whatever worldly wealth that you didn't work for. The concept of inheritance is steeped in Scripture because God throughout the New Testament is promising the Israelites a new land. The nation of Israel was a physical part of a portion of land. Now in the New Testament we also have a promised land. Amen? It is a, this realm of heaven and that's what this, this verse speaks about. Folks, I absolutely believe when we talk about inheritance... It is so much. On Friday or oh, Thursday, you guys missed out on an amazing prayer meeting. Cynthia was leading it. And she unpacked, I think it was seven different um, ways that we inherit, uh, aspects of inheritance. I actually don't think you can quantify everything that you get from God free by His grace simply because you're His child and He's a good, good father and He likes to give inheritance away to His children. Amen? You can't quantify it. We could be here until the end of days saying, they reckon, I mean some people try to quantify all the promises in Scripture. I think they stopped at 7,000 and said it's actually infinite. How many promises can you find in Scripture where God is saying, listen, my son, my child, boom, boom, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be this, etc. It's impossible. How much do you get from God? Now, I'm saying it is impossible, um, but I want to just highlight this. It's so interesting because in this scripture, Peter doesn't say what the inheritance is. He defines what it is like, but not what it is. On the next slide, this is what he says. He says in verse 4, we are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can, and this is what he says, never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish it is promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Now, I absolutely believe the side of eternity, we do get a lot of inheritance, but most of it is actually reserved for the heavenly realm, for when we go to heaven. And I'm specifically wanting to look this morning at what are the things, some of the things, at the end of this list, I put a big ETC and I wish I could make that etc. bigger because there's so much more. I don't have full revelation. I haven't of, of what heaven's going to look like. But there's so much more. But this is what he says. It'll never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. What God has for you and me, the enemy cannot get a hold of. Uh, it cannot be defiled, diminished, or perish. And that just gives me so much peace. Oh, thank you, Lord. That what you have for me is held safely in your hands. And for every one of us as well. Amen. So let's, let's go on. I want, before I unpack what it is, I want to read this verse. And it's from Deuteronomy 18 verse 1 to 2. Because here, the Lord is speaking about inheritance. And 
He's, he's talking about the various portions of land that the various tribes of Israel would get according to their size and etc. But here he's talking about the inheritance that the Levites get, which were the priests, the ministers. The priests who are Levites, indeed the whole tribe of Levi, are to have no allotment or inheritance with Israel. Oops, <laughs> can I resign from Levi right now? Okay. They shall live on the offerings made to the Lord, for that is their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance, as He promised. The Lord is their inheritance. Whoa, okay, where do I sign up to be a Levite? Okay, I'm, I want to come there. The Lord is their inheritance. Now, in the New Testament, the Lord literally, literally describes believers as priests amen so this promise that the lord is our inheritance is like lord lord i don't mind not getting anything else and remember that was the reality for the levites okay the offerings that they brought into the storehouse uh, was that's what the levites lived off and they didn't have land they weren't given land so they didn't have a means to for income for themselves but the Lord is the inheritance. I was, you know, when I read this, it's, uh, it, it was, the Lord was calling us into ministry. And I really wrestled with this, you know. You know Lord, being a pastor, you know, it, it can be, it can be um, challenging. But this promise that the Lord is our inheritance. And folks, we're, we're a priesthood of believers. I believe that's the greatest thing about heaven is God. Our Jesus, you know, and people who've had heavenly experiences have just, I've, and it's not, it's not, these aren't, it's not scripture. So, you know, they've just described of, of heavenly scenes that we, everything is like so alive. I remember one person's description of heaven. They said the grass is so green. You, you, you know, when often you design something and then, um, people will say, oh, that aspect of the design, it really pops. You know, it like stands out from the rest. You know, I was like, the grass pops. But then you look at the river and it is sparkling. It's shiny. You know, the Bible describes the, the river that is crystal. It's like, whoa, this is so loud. And everything else is so loud. But that's nothing compared to our Jesus. And one of the things I'm just, people have described just seeing, looking in his eyes and being overwhelmed by the love that they felt for, uh, just radiating towards them from the Lord. The greatest thing that, that our inheritance entails is the Lord Himself. To be fully known, to be fully loved, to be fully embraced, to be fully accepted and celebrated. Wow, it is going to be amazing. So the first thing I want to I highlight on the next slide the Lord is our inheritance, our perfect inheritance. And I've highlighted some things. What does this inheritance look like? That Peter's raving about, that he says he's perfect, is undefiled, um, will not perish. The Lord is our inheritance. The second thing I want to say, what, what is our inheritance in heaven? It is people that we lead to the Lord. Folks, if anybody you lead to the Lord, they'll be in heaven with you. And we get rewards for that. And not just them. How about all the people that they influence for Christ in their lifetimes and their children and their children's children and their children's 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 children and their children's 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 children. You get the picture. 
Folks, all that accrues to you and me as our inheritance. We are going to be amazed 10,000 years from here. Yo, Lord, I never knew speaking to that person at coffee on Monday morning about inheritance with God and what's your inheritance like. And they were like, I don't have any inheritance. You say, well, do you want inheritance? Can I pray with you right now to render your life to Jesus so you can enter into heaven? And they pray. And wow, 10,000 years from you say, wow, why didn't I do that every coffee break? Amen. It's amazing. People we lead to the Lord is part of our inheritance. The next thing is other kingdom relationships. Father, folks, other people that we have relationships with. Folks, that, that's something that, that people who've had heavenly experiences have just said was so amazing. Was the people they saw there that especially, folks, this was it. People who who they haven't seen for many years. For example, grandparents or uncles or aunts who may have passed away many years ago. And you, like for example, you know, my, my one granny was, she was an amazing Christian, but I never really fellowshiped with her as a Christian because I was young, etc. I want to know my granny's stories. I want to know how she came to know the Lord. There is fellowship and chats I'm looking forward to having with my granny in heaven that I never had the side of eternity. I believe the fellowship is going to be so rich, so sweet. We're going to see fully the hand of God in our lives. And we're going to be praising God and just so overwhelmed. So other kingdom relationships, I'm so looking forward to that. I want to say, what else do we take to heaven? Our Christ-like character. And of course, you're thinking, well, that means the other parts that are not Christ-like are not going to make it. And I'm going, hallelujah, amen, amen. Our Christ-like character, what God has formed in us, the godly, noble desires to honor Him and praise Him and serve Him and obey Him. All the godly, noble, holy, pure desires in us, that's going to be in heaven. That's going to be like on steroids. And people are going to see you the way God made you, the way God called you to be. All the good stuff that He's placed in you is going to be radiating out of our beings. Amen? Then, how about eternal life? Okay, I, I nearly forgot that one. I don't know how I, it's in the middle of this. Maybe I should. For some people, it's like at the top of this. I feel the Lord being my inheritance is the top of my list. And, and, but eternal life, folks, eternal life, it's not just the length of time. I believe it's the quality of life. You know, like these people have described, like how the grass is just so green. It's like nearly you need shades on to look at the grass. Everything, the quality of life in heaven, I believe is, it's, it's not just going to be in length of time, it's going to be eye-poppingly just rich and beautiful. And then, now this one, I didn't tell Awonke what I was speaking on, and I didn't tell him what he must speak about. But these two points will tie in. Rewards for all we have done for our Lord. Folks, Jesus said, if you give somebody a glass of water in my name, you will be rewarded. Amen. Everything we have done for the Lord. I don't believe there's going to be a Christian in heaven that's going to regret one minute of service towards the Lord. 10,000 years from now, you're going to say, oh my goodness, I wish I'd served God more and not been, you know, whatever, lying on my bed looking at Netflix on my phone so much, okay? Uh, listen, I'm not trying to offend anybody here, okay? I'm saying 10,000 years from now, you say, I wish I unsubscribed from Netflix, okay? Finally, rewards for all we have given to our Lord. And I just wanted to say, I don't need to say anything there because Awonke helped me to finish my sermon much sooner because he's just spent five minutes talking about rewards that we get from 
the Lord for everything we've given to the Lord. Folks, tithes and offerings were given, EFTs, money put in there. Folks, that it accrues to your heavenly bank account. Amen? And, and, and more than that, you know, there are going to be rewards for that. I mean, on earth we get interest, you know, you put in back interest. I don't know what that looks like, but I, I think it's going to be quite amazing. Amen? And you know what's amazing? You know, Jesus, remember when he was watching the offering, there was some big, rich Jewish business people put in lots of money, and there was a widow who put in a widow's mite, which is like 10 cents, but it was all she had. And he said, Jesus said, she gave more than the rich Jewish businessman. You know, he put in a check of whatever, or, you know, he did an EFT for, you know, 10,000 rand. She puts in 10 cents, and he says she gave more. Because it's in proportion to what you have that the Lord was looking. I believe one day it's, we're going to be some surprised. You know, there may be some people that, that are students that their heavenly bank account is much more than some rich Jewish businessman because the Lord looks at what you give in proportion to what you have. And so this is amazing. And, and that ETC there is, folks etc. There is so much more. There is so much more. I want us to conclude and I want us to read the scripture on the next slide. Maybe we can stand. There's just such power in speaking the word. We're reading these two verses and folks, I want you to kind of read it with a celebratory kind of a tone. Okay, I don't know what that sounds like, quite honestly, but, but celebratory. Let's just read it, and then we just give the Lord a clap offering at the end of this and just thank Him for, for everything He's done for us. So let's read it together on three. One, two, three. Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us His extravagant mercy. For His fountain of mercy has given us new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. It is promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realms for you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to, if we could just close, close our eyes, folks. I think for me, one of the most significant aspects there is about being reborn. Jesus said, you must be born again. You cannot enter the kingdom realm. This heavenly realm, heaven we're talking about, you can't go there unless you are born again. And you are born again once you say yes to Jesus. You surrender your life to Him. You say, Lord, I believe in you and I receive the work you did for me at Calvary. And I ask you to come into my life, cleanse me of my sin, make me new on the inside. That is when you are born again. That is when the life of God God enters inside of you. And if you hear this this morning and you're saying, I don't have that conviction. I don't have the life of God inside of me. I don't have the conviction that heaven is my home. Then I want to pray with you. If there's anybody here, just wave at me and then we'll pray with you. Anybody over here, just, just lift your hand and we'll pray with you. Anybody, you're saying, I want to be born again. I want the life of God inside of me. Yeah. 
or anybody who wants to recommit. You're like, I haven't been walking with God and I want to I wanna, I wanna come back to serving God wholeheartedly. Anybody over here? Just wave your hand at me. Amen. So that means, folks, we're a church of on fire, born again, spirit filled Jesus freaks. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So why don't you greet a fellow believer over here and just have a little bit of chat uh, as we go. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, folks. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za. And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels, as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.